0: Hey folks and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Bikes Apart podcast. This is a show all about equipment, trail guides and everything in between. And right now we're in the middle of a beginners uh, series, aren't we Tom?
1: We are, yeah, just uh, help trying to help out some newbies to uh, to the sport of mountain
0: biking <laughs> Yeah, we're doing sort of fundamentals So uh, last episode we talked about bike handling So try to describe uh, the fundamentals of getting around uh, corners uh, Getting yourself set up for doing really technical climbs uh, And this time we're moving on to equipment uh, So as usual, I'm Colin Gray And uh, joined by Tom Bell, the mountain bike racer extraordinaire <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Having a good day today, Tom?
1: Yeah, great. Thanks. It's um, I'm just going to get out on the bike um, a little later today. Um, weather looks good. So, yeah. we're all good. Yeah.
0: Good stuff. It's not so good up here, actually. It's a bit grey. But uh, Friday, though. So, end of the week. I might be able to get yeah. out on my bike this weekend. I'm determined, actually, to get out this week. I've done absolutely nothing except for work and childcare this week. So, I really need to get out <laughs> and uh, get some fresh air. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, right. Let's. So we were going to cover this. We were just chatting. We were going to cover uh, basically the whole bike in one episode. And then we decided that's ridiculous because there's far too much to cover. So we're going to split this in two. We're going to go through. I think on this episode, we're going to go through the cockpit. So that's all about you know the front end of the bike, basically everything that the handlebars cover. So that's everything from the handlebars themselves to your stem to the grips to brakes, shifters, all that kind of thing. So we're going to cover that whole front end of the bike. Basically yeah. all the controls, I suppose, of the bike um, That's and, it, yeah, Controls. Yeah. And then next episode We'll go on to the, sort of the the rest of the bike Essentially, so that'll be on to how to set up Your saddle, your seat post, and looking at Wheels and tyres as well uh, Maybe even actually We haven't got it in the list at the moment, but we're good to just go through Suspension too, so how to set up even Especially if you've got back suspension too Just cover that a wee bit Yeah, definitely, um, but definitely. Yeah, right. So let's get into the cockpit in this one though how are we going to go through this? Where are we going to start? <laughs> what about, um, let's work our way up. So let's call it from the stem up to the middle of the bars and out to the end. We'll try and do it in some kind of unorganised way. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll go from, uh, from the stem first. Um, how would you, right, okay, stem. How do you choose your stem length and the ri- What are the variables? Length and rise really aren't there? So why don't you uh, so. give us an introduction to that?
1: Yeah, I think so. It, again, it, it all depends on what kind of riding you want to do, um, whether you want to race, whether you just want to kind of uh, do some enduro or some all mountain kind of stuff. That, that, um that the discipline that you ride kind of affects the the length and the rise and that kind of thing. So generally speaking, um more cross country, racy orientated uh stem setup is gonna be a slightly longer stem, so maybe ninety, ninety millimeters, um, something like that. And then often a negative rise. If you look at the kind of World Cup cross country races, you'll see that a lot of them actually have a negative, oh, a very really? negative stem. Yeah, okay. that it gets the kind of front end down which isn't always the best for uh handling um so on on the really steep stuff it pitches your weight a bit more forward okay but um it it puts you in a bit more of an aggressive position um when you're on the climbs and 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 lowers your body for the for the really steep climbs which are obviously a big big part of uh
0: cross-country um Uh so is that so is that giving you more power or are you talking about what's the benefits of that having your weight right forward
1: I mean, I think it's just, I think it's just a better, it, it brings your kind of, uh, upper body down slightly. So I think that can help definitely with, with a bit of power generation on the, on the climbs, um, maybe a lower position in terms of aerodynamics. Uh, I, I'm sure the, the gain, the aerodynamic gains from that are quite low, but, uh, cross country races are willing, really, yeah. <laughs> willing to, yeah, <laughs> cross country <laughs> races are willing to do anything, I think to, to get some free speed, yeah. um, so but I I tend to I tend to think I, I've had my sort of stem quite quite negatively uh pitched and I'm starting to bring it up ever so slightly just with the courses um becoming a bit more technical. Okay. Um and then I think as you get more towards, you know, all mountain riding and that kind of thing the stem length um shortens just to give yeah. you some yeah. uh, a, a bit of a tighter kind of uh, steering setup and yeah. the the rise is typically a positive rise, or at least kind of flat, um, as compared to cross country racing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's so um, for me, there's a, there's a bit of comfort in here as well, isn't there? Like, especially if you're doing much longer rides. Um, shorter stem, higher rise lets you set up a bit more. Definitely, uh, yeah. gives you a bit more, yeah, a bit more control of your handling, but also actually just stops killing your bike if you're out for stop killing your <laughs> killing your back, sorry, your if, you, if yeah, you're yeah. out for four or five hours or something like that on a long enduro ride or cross country ride. So, yeah, plus I think probably. For the downhillers that's really when you're going for a really short stubby stem with mm. a wee bit of rise isn't it because you're you're always your bike's always pointing downhill so you don't want to be pitching forward on a downhill you want to be kind of uh weight a little bit more back in that kind of situation, so that's when you're looking at yeah that short stem exactly
1: um, yeah exactly so so just again it's uh comes comes down to what what kind of stuff you, you're riding um the most and yeah. um and what kind of inspires more more sort of confidence in in you yeah. um definitely a positive rise and having the the bars you know uh, level with or slightly higher than the than the saddle is is really good for 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 technical riding and and steep steep downhills yeah
0: yeah i tend to go for for my just general riding i just have um a kind of mid-length stem so it's somewhere in between that kind of totally stubby zero length uh, downhill one up to the maybe 90 or 100 mil or so for the for a long one so i'll have something around 50, 50 mil or so with a wee bit of rise on it um but yeah what's what length stem do you use you have you got like a two meter one on or something ridiculous for your cross country i, th- yeah. I think
1: it's 90 i think it's 90, 90 millimeters it's mill. oh, not that long it's, it's yeah. not too bad no I, I run the same kind of stem on the uh on the road bike as well as the mountain bikes um yeah. obviously my mountain bikes are, are just a race bikes the cross-country race yeah. bikes but i definitely like you said i think the best um the best stem length and rise and that kind of thing for your average kind of uh, trail rider or all mountain rider is uh, somewhere in between that kind of downhill setup and the uh, and the more racy, racy orientated, and that's definitely why I'd be using on a uh, you know on a, a, a bike with a little bit more suspension and uh, a little more all mountain
0: orientated. Yeah, if you want to be able to point it downhill, basically, yeah. So right, attached into the stem, then up from the stem, we've got the handlebar itself. So there's a lot of options in handlebars, isn't there? Um, there is. And it's kind of similar, I think, in that we're thinking about length, uh, width in this, in this case, I suppose, um, and rise as well. So you get totally mm. flat handlebars, you get riser handlebars. So what's uh, why would you choose one or the other?
1: Yeah, I guess it follows in the same... Uh same way as the STEM does in terms of uh, the downhill riders uh, that want, uh, or more downhill orientated riders that that want that kind of height um, and better position when it gets steep will obviously go for a a larger rise on the handlebar. Um, And then, again, all mountain or or your general kind of uh, bar is probably somewhere between a flat bar and a a sort of low riser. So you've got a kind of a slight bit of... um, slight rise there, but nothing, nothing too, uh, nothing too severe. Um, and yeah, down to the, the, the cross country, more cross country where it's usually a flat bar they have, there, there are definitely some riders that use, um, a, a low riser, um, on the, on the race circuit. Um, and I think, typically f- in cross country racing flat bars used to be used because you'd use them with bar ends kind of yeah <laughs> um and bar ends and a riser bar is a, a, almost the ultimate no go um, <laughs> so when uh, when the bar ends kind of started getting ditched and they they're pretty much gone now um yeah. you know the the riser bars kind of came into came came more into into racing as the course has got more technical and that kind of thing
0: yeah. um yeah so yeah, I mean, I, a, a big rise bar is just more comfortable to hold when you're on the climbs, isn't it, in terms of, it yeah. puts your hands in a wee bit of a uh, more comfortable position, mm-hmm. but in the downhills as well, it gives you a bit more, it's, well, it's higher, obviously, so you're you're not leaning over as much, it gives you a bit more control, a bit more handling. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I again, I'm kind of a, mid, a mid-rise a mid type of guy again, because I want to be able to do both up and down and mm-hmm. still be able to get a bit of control over it, so... um. I tend to take a bit off the length as well Like at the hacksaw to the bars Because Uh So the wider the bars Obviously the more control you've got Because you've got more leverage Leverage, Even Put your hands out wide Then you can Mm -hmm. uh, get really fine control Over your your steering Left and right obviously But the, the narrower the bars become You know The kind of more fiddly Your steering becomes So Um, but then on the other hand (laughs) quite easy to catch a really wide bar on a tree as you're passing it too so it's a bit (laughs) of a balance there isn't there
1: yeah there is there's some there's some trails that especially the trail centers that um, have some really narrow um, you know dodging around trees and that kind of thing (laughs) so you definitely want to uh, cut your bars down or get the bars to a width where you can um, at a decent amount of speed and you know negotiate around these yeah. kind of uh, trees and different different obstacles but definitely uh, the wider you go the more control you've got um, and the more it actually opens your chest out a little more so you know in terms of breathing it can I think it can help um, ever so slightly okay. yeah. with that um, I remember a, a few people uh, talking about that as a benefit of a you know more of a riser bar or or a wider bar yeah that's and, interesting um, I thought about it that way yeah, I mean if if I guess it I guess it makes sense if you think of a really really narrow bar it kind of you know brings your brings your shoulders um a bit further forward and closes closes your chest a little more yeah, whereas a wider bar sense. does yeah it does open the shoulders a little more so that can that can be an, another nice little
0: benefit um cool. Okay dogs. Uh I think that's probably it for width and type. There's not that I mean basically it's high rise and width, isn't it? Uh sorry, the the size of rise and the width. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, like you say, it's down to high rise for downhillers, flat for cross country really. Uh and width to suit the type of conditions you're in.
1: Yeah. And then you can you can obviously you can experiment with you know, you you can definitely have a slightly um uh, narrower bar on a on a more aggressive bike if that's the way that you uh, prefer to set up your bike and that yeah. feels most comfortable. But your, your typical setup, yeah, as we've said, you kind of go from a really wide right big rise bar at the downhill kind of end and then it sort of uh narrows and flattens yeah. as you go more towards as it you get more uh, racy <laughs> more racy more cross-country racy cool.
0: yeah so what about material for it then um i <laughs> it's the one part of my bike i've never ever been willing to trust to carbon is handlebars <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what do you think
1: i think um yeah, the, I think the issue with with carbon and where the kind of um fear comes in is that they're really strong in in terms of you know flex and um torsional strength and that kind of thing. They um they're arguably stronger in some regards than than some aluminum uh, or some at least some cheaper aluminum bars. It's I guess it's when you when you take a big impact on them that uh, that they, you know, an, an aluminum bar or some kind of metal bar is very unlikely to snap in half as much as a, a carbon bar is yeah yeah um and uh, it's funny on on the road just just switching to the road quickly a lot of the pro road riders actually use an aluminum bar on on their bikes yeah, okay. um rather than a carbon one which you you wouldn't necessarily um think they would do because you, you you'd expect them to be uh, trying to get the the weight down of their bikes yeah, by a bit yeah yeah yeah, but it obviously brings in that question of security and uh it, it with carbon, you know, if you if you have a big stack and even if the bar survives, you know, you don't really know how much damage has been done and yeah it's kind of really best practice to replace it or at least get some kind of um surveyed on the bar to see if there's any internal cracking or any yeah. if it's yeah. been compromised whereas you don't have that with an aluminum bar, you know, you're not going to uh it's either going to snap completely, or it's generally going to be fine. I think. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was, it's a lot more obvious, certainly, if something has gone wrong, isn't it? You can see a, a bend or a crack in aluminium a lot yeah. more easily than you can in uh, carbon, where it can be quite well hidden. I think.
1: Exactly, um, and and I mean, there there is something to say about having a carbon bar. Into carbon is, I think, a little better at. Um, taking some of the buzz out of the trail mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it potentially feels a, a little better um, mm-hmm. than an aluminium bar in terms of uh, being battered around and, and things like that but I think if sure. you've got a, car, a kind of carbon frame and and some good suspension that kind of feels minimal so um, and unless you're really trying to save a lot of weight um, by getting a really super light carbon bar, I think generally speaking for you, especially for your beginner and um, your general rider, I think, uh, an aluminium bar or or a metal bar of some description is always going to be the uh, the safest option.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, handlebars aren't exactly the the heaviest of components anyway, are they? They're pretty. Even aluminium bars don't weigh very much because they're exactly. hollow, obviously. So
1: yeah, you can get some really light aluminium bars, and I think the weight saving in in that uh, in that part of the bike is fairly minimal.
0: Yeah, they're more even customizable as well, aren't they, aluminium? Because you can not well. I don't think it's particularly wise to cut the ends off your carbon bar, um, whereas you can customize your aluminium bar a lot more easily with the hacksaw or whatever. You can make it the exact width you want it to be.
1: Yeah, you you definitely can cut the carbon bars down. So I I've I've done that okay. so, as well, but it's it's not as you know cleaner process you've got kind of carbon fibers yeah. everywhere and you have it's definitely it's got right to, be to do
0: because i'd i'd read in the past that actually it's quite easy to com- compromise your bar uh like you said earlier um with carbon it's so you can do it yourself
1: yeah as far as i know i mean the the the, the bars that i've got have got you know guides on them you know hmm. you've you've got those uh little lines that show you kind of yeah, different yeah. segments that you can cut off yeah. um I I've okay. done it to a fair few bars so whether I've just yeah, been yeah. Uh, naively uh, cutting away when I'm not supposed to I don't no, know No 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 I think uh, it maybe it's I'm... a change
0: in construction or something yeah, in the recent it... years or maybe it's just something I picked up wrongly years ago but yeah just curious
1: Yeah I th- I, th- I think I I think it's I uh, I've done it and I haven't had any kind of Uh, severe repercussions knock on wood but um i I think it's okay but yeah it's probably that they've just um improved the technology and improved the the um structure you know uh, rigidity of the bars and that kind of thing um and it probably wasn't good practice in the past
0: yeah maybe cool okay let's move out the bars then so what's on the bars that's where our main controls are yeah first of all where you put your hands the grips what about grips Mm -hmm. um I started experimenting with uh screw on grips actually a while back yeah i'd never had that. i don't know why I'd never tried them before, but actually they're really good. <laughs> I hadn't yeah. really noticed how much my old school plastic grips moved about until I got myself a good set of screw on grips mm.
1: yeah the uh the grips is you know if you if you want anything particularly uh, sturdy, it's probably the grips uh, you don't want they definitely don't want them moving around and um with like you said with plastic ones or or certain types of material, you know, rubber ones that just kind of slip on. Um, you only need to get a little bit of moisture under there, and um, it they can start moving around. It's a really un- unsettling feeling. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, yeah, lock-on grips are a, a, gr- a great um, upgrade if your bike doesn't come with it, or they're they're a great thing to have um, for for your general riding uh, and for beginners yeah. because it just gives that that added security. Um, again, going back to uh, handlebar material, uh, you're definitely better having uh, an aluminium bar um, for that. You know, um, in, in terms of having lock-on grips. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you don't damage uh, it by screwing it in too hard. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's it. The carbon fibre is not very good um, when it's when it's being kind of. Yeah, compressed like yeah, that. So you've yeah. got to uh, you've got to be careful with how tight you put the stem bolts um, yep. on on the front of the stem as well Tart as torque wrench. Um, by that point, eh? that, I think so. Torque wrench would probably probably be a good idea so you don't uh, you know compromise some expensive carbon bars. Yeah, but um, I think with grips, generally speaking, it's it's not. It's probably not a great idea to have. Um, Lock-on grips on those, but yeah. definitely lock-on um, for for your aluminium bars and for your general riding is a great yeah. great way to to have some security there.
0: Yeah. So I've always I've always just bought grips by how cool they look. Basically, <laughs> is there I anything? Think a lot of people do. <laughs> is there anything you have like do racers think about anything more than that in terms of grips? Do you get better some good grips, some bad grips? Uh, apart from just you know material, assuming that you've got a decent quality set, is there anything else to it? Yeah.
1: Well, I've got I've got a sponsor that um, that is called ESI Grips, um, and I've been using their their grips for for years. And what they are are a silicon based grip, so they're not they're not lock on or anything like that. They are just a a regular you know um, tube that you mm-hmm. that you slide on, but they're they're made of a silicon compound, which is uh, great for just you know dampening the trail vibration. Um, sure. So they're they're a little bit thicker and they're quite squashy. Um, but once they're on there, they just do not do not move you know like i said i i in a previous podcast i raced um, in some horrendous conditions in uh in portugal and i've actually raced in some fairly wet conditions most of the year but come um, <laughs> <Well,
0: you'd>, come <laughs> to scotland and try them out and yeah yeah, could, yeah
1: exactly <laughs> um but the this silicon based grips um that these esi ones and i think there's a, maybe a few others that do silicon based grips um they they're they're great they they're honestly don't uh, they 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 nearly give the same kind of um, security as a lock on grip in terms of they just do not move. Right. And, um, and there you can get those in loads of different colors. Yeah, um, yeah. So I've got, I've got some that match the kind of kit and brand brand of the team, which yeah, is yeah. always nice. And, um, Used by quite a lot of the top cross country racers, and I'm pretty okay. sure they'd translate into other types of, you know, more aggressive types of riding as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, that's good stuff. We'll make sure as we link to them in the show notes, so people can check yeah, them out if they sure. want to. Right, beyond the grips, then so your hands are on the grips, but your fingers are on the other things, they're on the brakes and the shifters. So, first of all, um, thinking about brakes. There's a few different things that go into setting up your brakes, really, isn't there? Mm. Um, The first one for me is always how close they are to the grips, like where you want your hands to be on the grips. Yeah. Uh, So, like doing single finger braking, for example, your fingers right on the kind of the the crook, I guess, of the end of the Mm. handle. That's it. Um, Anything else you think about when you're setting them up?
1: No, I think I think that's definitely the main thing, which is kind of brake lever travel. So how much, how far out the actual lever is from the bars, and then how much it's got to um, travel to um, to to engage the brake.
0: So travel, yeah. as in how far you have to pull it in towards the that's bar. It. You're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, so that's kind of a consideration, I guess. Yeah. It, it's a, there's some sort of some rules in terms of just you know making sure you don't have to stretch your finger out um too far to to okay. be able to grab the brake lever but it's yep. again it's all down to kind of personal preference okay. um and then in terms of the brake uh, lever position actually on the bars it's it's generally good be- best practice to have it um have them angled um downwards to the to the point where it's a- at the same angle that your kind of uh, fingers would outstretch kind of naturally so it's generally around a 45 degree angle i think okay. so some- somewhere yep. around there um again some people have them higher up and that just feels more comfortable to them yeah um, but if you're kind of setting them up for the very first time and not sure where to put them then um having them uh, follow the kind of uh, trajectory of your your hand is probably the best way to do it
0: yeah and that that's the thing with the the distance along the bars as well a lot of people when they're first setting up their bike i find just get the brakes and they jam them up against the grips straight away because they think that yeah. must be yeah. where they go because you can't leave a gap, can you, between the grip and the, <laughs> the brake uh, caliper? <laughs> uh, not caliper, the where the, it attaches to the bars. But yeah, you, you want to move that. I generally have maybe one to two centimetres between the end of the grip and where my handlebars attach Because that's just where I find my hands naturally Sit so that my index finger Ends up on that kind of that crook At the end of the bar, uh, the brake lever So yeah
1: Yeah, that's a good point actually Um, Just to, yeah, move them So you can experiment with a kind of tilt um, Up and down of the the brake lever And then uh, side to side to make sure That, yeah, so your hand's in a good position On the grip, you know, it's not hanging off The end of the the bar or it's too far Inwards um, and then where your hands kind of naturally sit on the grip, uh, yeah. you just want your kind of finger to to be in the right position on the on the brake lever, as you said.
0: Yeah, and you're talking about travel as well. I mean, quite a lot of good quality hydraulic brakes certainly have travel adjusters, don't they? They've got a little twister, basically a little, little dial, yeah, yeah, that you can bring it in and out. Um, And like you said, you don't want to be too far out. So you want it to be comfortable when it's not engaged at all. But the bit that sometimes catches people is that you don't want it to come too far in either. Because if your hands are a bit too far on the inside of the grip, then suddenly you try and pull in the brake lever. But actually your other three fingers are in the way and you can't pull your brakes (laughs) in all the way. And you jam your fingers in between the brake lever and the grip and then suddenly your brakes aren't coming on. And uh, yeah, there's a bit of trouble there. Mm-hmm. So uh, make sure you test full engagement, and make sure it's not only just not hitting your fingers as well, because your your brake pads will wear down over the course of a a ride sometimes, or your you know so, whatever yeah. you're using for your brakes, So your travel will change a little bit over the course of the ride. So you need to make sure there's a bit of, a bit of wiggle room in there <laughs> to make sure you're not yeah. hitting your fingers with them.
1: Yeah, definitely. I guess that's where those uh, those travel adjustment dials come into come into yeah. play as well. While when you there, can just yeah. You, yeah, exactly. When you can just tweak them if you brake pad if you're on a particularly gritty, uh, wet ride, you know, um, and you've got a set of organic pads in there that can wear <laughs> down quite quickly. So yeah. it's good to have that, <laughs> and just to bear that in mind.
0: Yeah, that's um even more true if you're on uh like V-brakes and you're 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 wearing down real rubber pads because they can change, you know, the travel can change quite dramatically from a full yeah. pad to a, you know, an almost worn out pad. <laughs>
1: Definitely scary stuff. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh okay, so last bit is the shifters. So gears. Uh where do we put these?
1: Yeah, I think this is again more about um it kind of follows along the same lines of the brake lever in terms of moving them side to side um so that your thumb is in the right position cuz generally i mean you can there's some shifters that you can use your thumb for both the um both of the paddles or you could use the thumb and the kind of um index finger yeah. um so it's just yeah that that sometimes uh with certain uh, brake brands and shifter uh, combinations you've got um, what what I call like matchmaker clamps. I think that's the Shram, the Shram one where you. Oh yeah,
0: they tie together. Yes.
1: Where they're tied together. Yeah. So obviously they move in uh, in tandem with each other. Um, but again, it's making sure that you're not kind of catching catching your finger or your fingers getting in the way when you want to shift, and um, and making sure that the, the hand is on is in the right position on the grip um, when you want to shift up and down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. For me actually I said before A lot of people uh, When they're first starting out They jam the brakes up against the grips uh, And they tend to do the same with the shifters as well You'll Mm. jam that up against the brakes And put it um, So it's all nice and neat basically So everyone's right next to each other But again You want to be playing around with it Even little kind of A few millimetre adjustments I think can make a big difference actually To how comfortable your hands are on the grips How easily you can get to those gears Right when you need them um and uh, yeah, so just playing around with them a little bit. Just I think the key thing's not being afraid to just get your, uh, your Allen keys out and just loosen them off and just kind of play around with them a wee bit. Sit on your yeah, bike, Absolutely. um, yeah, move your hands around so you make sure it's in the natural position. Because a, a lot of people kind of worry that they're going to break it or something if they just mm. loosen off those Allen keys. I think those hex keys.
1: Yeah, they do. Um and yeah, it's just every everything as like, you know, the cables the cable's gonna stay um tensioned the same way and uh there's gonna be no issue with moving uh, a hydraulic, you know, lever around and stuff. So definitely just uh it's definitely about finding the right position for you. And yeah. um and uh yeah, sometimes even taking especially on the first ride, just taking a multi-tool out with you on the yeah. on the bike so you can make those um Position adjustments on the fly, yeah, um, because there's not nothing worse than going out for a ride and finding that you know your hands are all you know jamming against the the <laughs> shifter paddles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you know something that we didn't mention back uh, with the handlebars and the stems? In that sense, is that handlebars actually you always want them to be centered obviously but they can be moved back well if they're rise bars they can be moved back and forth as well and it, i find that's, that's straight, one yeah. of the things that makes a huge difference to the comfort of your ride actually um, you'll go out and buy a set of, right, of um, High rise, mid rise bars Or something like that And you'll just stick them in there But then just have a little bit of an angle Back and forth can make a big difference And obviously that changes Where then your brake levers are going to be Your shifters are going to mm. be Just in terms of their angle too So it's all, it all ties together really strongly and it takes yeah I I quite often when I've just first set up a bike I'll I'll end up spending an hour on a ride just kind of stopping every five (laughs) minutes and playing around with little bits and just getting it just right and
1: yeah I've been there myself plenty of times and, uh, and just you know you can feel it's funny how you can feel when something's only a millimetre or two off as well; it feels completely wrong. Yes, and um, <laughs> yeah, you can spend ages tweaking those kind of things. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> cool. Well, I hope it encourages people to go out there and have a have a go with it, at least to try and play around with their their setup, and um, maybe give you an idea that if you're listening, that even building a bike, actually, like upgrading your components, getting a new set of shifters, a new set of brakes, that type of stuff, it's not that hard to do. Um, setting up in the first place, setting up the kit that you've got easy easy but yeah even adding new bits is not that hard to do so Mm. I'll encourage you to give it a shot but as always if you have any questions related to that, anything you want clarified anything you want us to go into in more detail send through an email at colin at mountainbikesapart.com or you can tweet us uh, I'm on Gray, Tom is
1: Uh, That's by Tom Bell, so B-Y-T-O-M-B-E-L-L.
0: Yep. And you can always find us at the show notes as well. We'll make sure to put some notes on there, summarise the stuff we've talked about, link to any of the kit we've talked about, like those grips Tom was explaining. Uh, You can find them at mountainbikesapart.com forward slash 209 because this is episode nine of series two. So yeah, that was good. I enjoyed talking. I always like talking about kit.
1: Yeah, I think everyone, <laughs> everyone likes a bit of uh, equipment talk
0: <laughs> Well, we'll see, we'll get some uh, abuse back about people being bored about it. the uh, yeah. incremental adjustments to bits of uh, equipment on the front of their bike Yeah, but, fingers uh, crossed, everyone likes it Yeah, I hope so, because we're going to do another episode on it <laughs> So yeah, next time around we'll go into uh, the back end of the bike So that's going into uh, saddles, seat posts, wheels, tyres, all that kind of stuff uh, We'll go through the up of the rest of the bike but yeah, thanks again for joining us on this one. Thanks for joining me, Tom.
1: No problem, Colin. Enjoyed it. Thanks again.
0: Good to speak to you as always. Are you out on the bike? Uh, no, you said that in the weekend. You're going to try and get out today, aren't you?
1: I am. Yeah, I've got I've got a um, national race at the um, at the British Cross Country Series uh, race at the weekend. So I'm just going to get out for an easy one today. Yeah, uh, went a little harder yesterday and the day before. So we're uh, just about recovering a bit now for the uh, for the race on Sunday. Yeah, a bit of a warm up
0: yeah that's it Okay, dokes well wherever you are listening I hope you get out on the bike this weekend as well and uh, that the sun treats you nicely get a bit nice weather Um, otherwise we'll see you on the next episode thanks for listening